Good morning, North Point. We're getting ready to go into a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper. Feel free to have a seat. If you didn't get the cup and the bread on your way in, feel free to work your way to the back and get it now. That's perfectly fine. So twice during the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Once when he broke the bread to remind us of his broken body that he said was broken for all of us. And once when he talked about the wine symbolizing his blood shed for us so that he could set up a new covenant or, or agreement between God and man where our sins are covered by what Christ did through his death and resurrection. Some things to think about as you're getting ready to take communion. First is, you are dearly loved. Jesus said that you are worth his life so that he could have a relationship with you. Sometimes in this world, it can get hard to remember that we're loved. Second thing is, you're not alone. Jesus' death and resurrection made it so that we could have a relationship with God. God didn't promise us an easy life, but he did promise he would never leave us and never forsake us. So take a few moments, and when you feel ready, feel free to take the bread, the cup, and remember that you're loved and not alone.
Good morning. Welcome to North Point. We're glad you're here with us. Go ahead, grab a seat. And if you're anything like I was all morning, I guess for that matter, is you have lots of thoughts running through your brain this morning. You have lots of feelings and things that you're looking back on and things you're looking forward to. And I'm just going to summarize all those thoughts that have been going through my mind with a conversation I had grabbing coffee this morning where I was just talking to a friend and he said, you know, with all the craziness in this world, Glad we're at church this morning, so thanks for being here. We're glad you're here with us, and you probably thought that, and will think that in the future, but hey, this is one week at a time. We're glad you're here with us. Uh, let us know you're here if you could. The left side of your row, there's going to be a black book. Go ahead, open that up, fill it out with any information that you have in there. Um, your name, your address, any questions, anything you'd like to communicate, someone's going to look at it, so just go ahead and write it down in there. Uh, make sure you say hi to someone next to you. Today's a great day to say hi to someone. Make sure you smile at them. Make sure you're like, hey, we're glad you're here because it's not just Bob that's glad you're here. Like, be glad for each other. It's a good thing. All right. So a couple things I want you to, oh yeah, make sure if you're not just here, if you're with us online, thanks for being with us online. Make sure you text guest to 833-CHAT-NCC. You can type hi in the chat if that's what you want to do. That's cool. It's part of it. And uh, make sure you let us know that you're here as well. That number is 833-242-8622. They're going to send you a link and you can handle it from there. A couple things for you guys to put on your uh, calendar for two weeks from now. First of all, we have a blood drive coming up. That's something that probably was maybe on your mind a little bit more than usual. And when it actually comes up, you're like me and you're like, oh, I got other things going on. Uh-uh, not today. So in two weeks, make sure that you go onto the app right now even, and you find a spot that you can register and actually put yourself in. Sign yourself up for a spot that helps them prepare, and it also kind of holds you to that. So that's one opportunity. And if you're just thinking in two weeks, I'm just going to walk in and find a spot. That'd be great too. But in two weeks, look forward to that happening during services, uh, March 5th. Also going on on March 5th, we have our North Point 101. Maybe you've been like hanging out at North Point, checking us out online, just kind of sneaking in the back door and you're kind of like, all right, I know this place. There's some familiar faces that I try to avoid because I don't really want to talk to them. Been there, done that, right? You laugh because it's true. So North Point 101 is a chance for you to kind of see what's going on here at North Point, what they're all about, meet some people, hear kind of what is the motivation, what's the driving force, what's the history, who are the people, all those questions that you've been asking all along. They'll be answered over the three weeks there, March 5th, 12th, and 19th at 11 o'clock. Uh, we're kind of crammed today. We've got a lot going on, right? So I'm just going to real quick say thanks so much for giving. We've got boxes in the back. We've got online options as well. Thanks so much for being part of the ministry and the financial way as well as just being here this morning. And work's coming up in just a second. Thanks for being here. I was all set to say howdy, partner, uh, and then we jumped into Night to Shine from last week. Uh, hey, glad you're here. Um, the thing that's at the top of my right, my, top of my mind right now, is the lyrics, the end lyrics to that last song. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. Um, even when stuff's crazy, um, I will sing of the goodness. Of God. Good stuff. Hey, I want to share some stuff before I jump into the message. Um, at Christmas time, if you remember, everybody remember Christmas? Uh, you know, it's been a while ago. But at Christmas time, we took up a special offering for Missions of Hope International in Kenya to help them um, plant a, a church and a school. Um, our goal for that was $50,000. Um, and we didn't quite make it to $50,000. We made it to $35,000, which is really, really incredible. So yeah. And so in, in talking with Mohi, uh, they said, um, uh, well, how would it be if instead of trying to launch the first part of school, 
we just build the church building with the money that you guys send in a place called Chumani, Chumani, C-H-U-M-A-N-I. And, and we said that would be terrific. So they're going to modify what their, what their normal protocol is. They're going to build a church in a community where they already have a preacher. It's the, the community that we had talked about and that, that Jake and I were able to see um, back in May and June when we were there. And so uh, pray that God would bless that in a really, really cool way and that um, lots of lives would come to know Jesus and uh, be transformed by his power. Um, I want to pray right now to just take a, a moment to pray. Uh, because of the shooting Monday night, we've not been together, and I'd just like to pray for, um, for Michigan State, for all the families involved, and let's, let's do that right now. Um, God, we live in a broken world. We, we realize it all the time. Sometimes, Lord, it's more severe and more public than other times. Sometimes the, um, the loss of life uh, takes it to a whole new level. And Lord, we look to you. We look to you for um, comfort, for purpose. Um, God, we, we look to you to, to bring healing um, to the families of the lives that were lost. To the, uh, God, we ask that you would, in a very clear way, that you would bring healing to those students who are still in the hospital, who are still recovering, and that you would mend their bodies. Um, God, we pray that you would be with their families, with the students and uh, the students' families and uh, faculty. God, for the whole community, that um, through, through tragedy, through devastation, that they would seek you and that they would just have the sense that you're the only one that we can build our lives on. Um, do, do, God, uh, what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this, today's message, we're in this series called Disappointed. Today's message has lots of nuances, and you may have lots of questions and clarification. Let me just encourage you, if you've got the North Point app, uh, feel free, don't hesitate to write questions about today's message um, in, in the notes at the bottom of the app. We're going to actually, because of the holiday tomorrow, we're going to record the, the uh, podcast today. And so would love to have lots, of, uh, lots more opportunity to kind of talk and unpack today's message as well. Um, in 1995, a movie was made about a high school teacher who had these dreams. This high school teacher was in Portland, Oregon. Um, he, he became a teacher not because he was really called to teach, but because um, teaching allowed him to do what he really wanted to do with all of his time, and that was to compose music. The movie starred Richard Dreyfuss as Glenn Holland, the musician who was passionate about writing the great American symphony. But instead, he found his life trapped at John F. Kennedy High School in Portland, Oregon, year after year, teaching kids about music as that dream got put on hold over and over again. Through the Vietnam years, through the turbulent 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, decreasing budgets and, uh, and shrinking arts departments until finally um, the arts department is eliminated and, and, um, and Glenn Holland uh, has to retire. He has to close up shop. He has to clean out his, his, uh, his office. The birth of his son compounds the, uh, everything that he went through. The, his son had special needs. He was deaf. And so, so I, I, I'm going to say Dreyfus because I can only see Richard Dreyfus in that role as Glenn Holland, right? Uh, so, so Dreyfus goes through this struggle, um, Glenn Holland does, of wanting to compose but not being able to because of all of the burdens of life. He has this dream that never really fully gets realized. And so he comes to the end of his career and he feels like his life is this one big disappointment. The hope that he had didn't materialize. The dream never made it. I talked uh, uh, several years ago with a, with a fellow pastor who was talking about meeting with a guy who was addicted to pornography. And, um, and he told me about his conversation and it has stuck with me for a number of years because this man said to my pastor friend, he said, I never expected that my life would turn out this way. 
I never thought that I would still be dealing with this addiction in my 60s and 70s, still fighting this demon. I expected it to be over by now. I expected myself to be better than this. We've been talking the last few weeks about disappointment. And I just want to say that when we're disappointed in our relationships, when we're disappointed in our jobs, that can be crippling to us. But when we're disappointed with ourselves, that can be a cancer that consumes us, that just stays inside of us and eats away at us from the inside. It can destroy you. It can wreck your life. So the question that's there for us this morning, are you disappointed with yourself? Are you disappointed with yourself? Maybe a better question is, in what ways are you disappointed with yourself? Because I feel like we all deal with that. We all struggle with that. That's where I want to go today. We're in this series called Disappointed. We're talking about the disappointment that we have in so many different areas. Today, we're talking about disappointed with yourself. Um, let me just say this kind of as, as we transition. Disappointment with yourself is not something new. Disappointment with myself is not something new. If you think all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 3, um, Adam and Eve eat of the fruit that, uh, from the tree that God told them not to. And, it, and it's described this way afterwards. Genesis chapter 3. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because... Uh, I was naked. We often talk about the shame that Adam and Eve felt in the garden, the guilt that they experienced. Can you imagine for the rest of their lives, the disappointment that they felt as they remembered that time of eating that fruit, the, the loss that occurred because of their, the, the brokenness in their relationship with God? I have to think that you know, as they grew old and sat around the campfire and talked, that they had this sense of disappointment in themselves. We were better than that. Why did we make that choice? They felt the weight of the impact of that decision, I think, until the day they died. Paul, um, uh, who had a supernatural encounter with God on the road to Damascus, he's pursuing Christians to try and kill them. And Jesus appears to him and talks to him in that moment. His life from that moment on was radically changed by Jesus. It was like he was heading down one path and all of a sudden he realized because of the voice of God, because God spoke with him, that that was not the right path. And so he went a completely different direction and became the leading spokesman for Christianity in the first century. He wrote more than half of the books of the New Testament. It's crazy how much his life changed. But listen to what that hero of the faith wrote in Romans chapter 7. I don't really understand myself for what I want, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. If I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that God's law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, my, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Do you sense as we read through Romans 7 the disappointment Paul has in himself over the actions that he takes? 
that he has this desire. He has these expectations for what it looks like to follow Jesus, and he doesn't do it, and he grieves that. There are, you know, when we talk about being disappointed with ourselves, there are so many things that we can point to that we're disappointed about. We can be disappointed with decisions that we made years ago. And, and we can be disappointed with decisions that we just made this past week. We can be disappointed with our attitude in a stressful situation. We can be disappointed about not having given our best effort in a, in a given situation. We can be disappointed with the way that we treat people. We can be disappointed in our inability to understand what's going on around us and our inability to see other people's perspectives. We can be disappointed with lots of physical things about us, with our, our body appearance, with, with, um, with the, how much we weigh or the way that we look or our flaws. We can be disappointed um, that we didn't take more risks, that we played it safe through life. We can be disappointed that we weren't more proactive. We can be disappointed that we didn't stand up for what's right. We can be disappointed that our relationship with God isn't stronger than it actually is. It's clearly not God's fault, but it's a disappointment that we have in us, that we, ha that we don't commit, that we don't give ourselves to the Lord in the way that we want. Oh. We can be disappointed with ourselves because we undermine the things that are really the most important thing to us. We don't give to our families the way that we want. We don't cultivate that relationship with God. Maybe we don't give our best at work. The disappointment in ourselves is real. At, at the heart of our disappointment is this, uh, the, this set of expectations that we have for ourselves that don't get fulfilled. Um, our life doesn't look like what we thought it would. My body doesn't act the way. It doesn't perform the way that I thought it would. I don't act the way I want to when I'm in relationships with other people. What causes that? What causes that disappointment with ourselves? Let me, let me start with this. I think the first thing that, that I just want to kind of lay as a foundation is unrealistic expectations. Too often we set expectations for our lives based on what everyone else's life appears to be to us and not we don't set our expectations on what really matters, on the things that are the most important. Our, our parents lived a certain way, so we expect that we'll live that way too. We see characters in a movie or a TV show act a certain way, and we think that we ought to be able to act that way or live that way too. We hear people say, if you just apply yourself, then you could accomplish whatever you want. If you want it bad enough, if you work hard enough, you can do that. You can have it. You put in the work. You desire it deeply. You will accomplish that. But our expectation is not fulfilled. The problem is that we set our expectations based on what's temporary and not what's on eternal. Um, during my 30s and 40s, I was really proud that I didn't need bifocals. You know, all, all, all my friends, oh, I'm 35. Oh, can you hold that for me? Made it through my 30s and 40s. It wasn't until my early 50s that, um, that I found that I could not read things any longer. Something's been happening to my eyes over the last 10 or 12 years in addition to just the need for bifocals. The shape of my eye has changed some, and, and out of one eye now, I can see two images at the same time. So if I take my glasses off, man, there's a big, big crowd here at North Point, and I just want you to know that. Um, preacher, preacher count, right? Let Rick count. There we go. Um, but as soon as I put my glasses on, all of a sudden it clears up. The corrective lens begins to... To, to bring things together in a way that I can see who I'm talking to, that I can see what I'm working on. Um, too often, our expectations in our life are based on fuzzy images. They're based on things that are there, but they're not really clear, and they don't really matter. We need corrective lenses from God to be able to see the world around us, to be able to see with his perspective and to reset our expectations so that we won't have the disappointments that we struggle with, that we carry, that become burdens to ourselves. 
Um, our disappointment typically is because we thought a thing or a position would bring us fulfillment. And when it doesn't, we live with that disappointment. We thought making the right decision, that that would be the silver bullet for us that would bring our lives together and, and would allow us to have impact that lasts and lasts. But too often we find that the right decision is based on faulty data. It's based on, a, on an image that's not clear. Because too often our standards are not God's standards. God's standards are about holiness. They're about what happens inside us, not about our circumstances. His standards are about a condition of our heart. But our standards tend to be defined by the world around us. Our standards tend to be a condition of our circumstances. I'll be happy if I have this, if I do that, if I have this kind of relationship, whatever it is. And then we live with the disappointment that comes from those not delivering because they're, because, because they're weak. They're not gods. Um, I appreciate so much what Dan said in communion this morning. Understand that God's love for you is not based on your circumstances. It's not based on your performance. Do, do you realize, when you think back about the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't, he hadn't begun to teach at all. He simply goes to John the Baptist um, to fulfill all righteousness is what, is what Jesus says. And this is what it says in Matthew ch chapter 3. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. A voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. What had Jesus done up to this point in terms of ministry? Nothing. God's love for Jesus was based on who he is. And I just want to extrapolate that and say that applies to you as well. God's love for you is not based on performance. It's based on you being his creation. He loves you deeply. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Where does your value in this life come from? Is it, is it that you get your value from a sense of self-worth, self-accomplishment, self-peace? Do you get that sense of value that comes because of what other people think about you? Or is it because of what God thinks about you? Unrealistic expectations. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to fulfill any dreams to have this lasting sense of we're good with God. His love for us changes everything. We don't have to get every decision right. We can trust that God will work through whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, even when we make mistakes, and we don't have to carry that burden of disappointment. What, what, what else causes us to be disappointed with ourselves? Sometimes I think the disappointment comes from past choices that, that we now second guess um, months, years, days later. Um, many of us are, are disappointed with choices that we made maybe decades ago. Maybe it's a choice about uh, what kind of job uh, to pursue. Maybe it was a choice about where to live. Maybe it was a choice about who to marry. Maybe, who knows what it is. Those, those choices that we make that we second guess now Disappointment, sometimes on a more practical level, level over not trying, disappointment over not trying to save my marriage harder. Disappointment about not pursuing that job. Um, disappointment over that step that I took so long ago that led to a lifetime of addiction. Disappointment about that decision that I made that crippled us financially. Disappointment with the way that we parented our kids. Disappointment that you had that affair or that you had that abortion or that you lost that job. Some of us are carrying disappointment that, that hangs on from years and years ago and we just need to let it go. 
Uh, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and said this, so good. I'm going I'm to start reading a, a few verses before what's on screen, but listen to, listen to Paul's heart. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, perfection but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Many of us carry this burden, this disappointment that, that is that cancer eating inside us about decisions from the past. And I just want to encourage you from scripture today to say, let it go. Let it go. You can't change what happened five years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Look, look to Jesus. Pursue the future. Pursue that hope that you have in him. Don't allow yourself to be paralyzed by what's happened in the past. What causes us to be disappointed with ourselves? Unfulfilled dreams. You had dreams of getting married, and it hasn't happened. You had dreams of having kids, and it hasn't happened. You had dreams of a certain kind of job, a certain kind of home, a certain level of fi financial flexibility. Sometimes, that you, sometimes you have to let the disappointment that comes from unfulfilled dreams to die as well. I have to accept that I'm never going to play football for Ohio State. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, I have to accept that I'm never going to travel the world maybe in the way that I thought I would once. I have to accept that I'm never going to be a doctor, that I'm never going to live on a ranch, that I'm not going to discover a cure for cancer. We need to let unfulfilled dreams die especially if those dreams are focused on the temporal aspects of our lives. Jesus said this in, in John, chapter, John chapter 12. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. There is this sense with unfulfilled dreams, with the disappointment that comes from unfulfilled dreams, that we just need to let it go and let God come in and fill that void. Now, I can hear some of you are saying, wait a second, Rick, we're supposed to hold on to our dreams. We're supposed to pursue our dreams. We're supposed to make that happen. Um, I, this, this, about a week ago, I watched a movie. Uh, today's a uh, sermon movie, movie, sermon, something like that, um, called American Underdog, the story of, of Kurt Warner, right, uh, who was a quarterback for the St. Louis Rams. He, his story's incredible because he had this dream of, um, of playing football in the, in the NFL. It was all he wanted to do, and he couldn't get on the field during college. He worked and worked, but he couldn't make it happen. And that dream just slowly began to die. He pursued it, uh, played in, the, in, in some, uh, some minor league stuff, some just little stuff. And he ultimately had to decide, am I going to pursue football and, and leave the relationships that I have in my life and just let them die and pursue football? Or am I going to let football go? And he decided to let football go, to let that dream die. And the really cool part of that story is that God took that dream and brought it back to life and allowed him to have an incredible, an incredible influence on people because of his commitment to his family and his faith in Jesus that came as a result of that. Sometimes we have to let our dreams die so that God can grow something different. Mr. Holland's opus culminates with Mr. Holland coming back to the school for the last time, cleaning out his classroom and leaving the school. The building's quiet. It's seemingly empty. If you've watched the movie, you can see the scene play out in your head. He's coerced into walking into the auditorium that's packed with his former students and they're cheering wildly 
for him. In a scene that makes every teacher I know blubber like a baby, one of his former students, who's now a governor of, of his state, pays tribute to the life um, that, that Holland thought was a disappointment and declares, Mr. Holland, we are your symphony. Invites him to take the baton and to direct the symphony that he had written, but no one had ever heard before. One dream had to die, but another grew in its place that was so much better. What, what, what Holland expected never materialized, but ultimately what happened dissolved his disappointment when he began to see with the right perspective. Sometimes we have to let unfulfilled dreams die. What causes us to be disappointed with ourselves? Sometimes it's just the reality that there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a fight that's going on inside us, a spiritual fight between the powers of God and the powers of, of Satan to just fill us with this sense of disappointment and failure about our lives. Um, if Satan can make us believe that our life doesn't matter, that our life is a waste, he wins. Um, we, we have to understand that our fulfillment, our purpose comes from God, not from the stuff of life. Ephesians 6 says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The battle that goes on in us is for what dreams matter most. For whether being disappointed with yourself will destroy you or not. When we begin to cultivate dreams that are God's dreams for God's kingdom, not about us, all of a sudden life takes on a completely different kind of, of perspective. Last thing I, I wanna share is, what causes us to be disappointed with ourselves? Sometimes it's choosing, it's simply choosing sin. That we simply choose sin. If you think back to the Old Testament about David and Bathsheba, um, David, the, the king of Israel, the man after God's own heart, pursues this woman who's not his wife, kills her husband, and ultimately lives the rest of his life with the disappointment that came from those actions when the prophet Nathan comes to him and tells him a story and says, you're the guy, you're, you're the one. We see that disappointment in David in, in, um, in uh, 2 Samuel as he lays on the floor and begs God for mercy for the birth of his son. The disappointment that came because he chose sin. Simon Peter, when you think about what, what happened with Peter as he denied Jesus around the campfire at, at uh, Caiaphas' house, and that afterwards when Jesus is crucified, Caiaphas goes out, or Peter goes out and weeps bitterly is what the scripture says. That he's consumed with this disappointment that comes because of the choices that he made to sin. Paul when he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus and Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You've got it all wrong. For three days, for three days, Saul doesn't eat or drink because he's so consumed with disappointment that he had pursued the wrong trajectory in his life. Some of us live with the cancer of disappointment with ourselves because of sinful choices that we've made or sinful choices that we're making right now. We look back and we think, if only I could have made that choice. I should have walked away. I, if I would have done this instead of that, would have, could have, should have. If I, if I would have done any of those things, I would have been spared this devastating disappointment that I just carry around like a burden. Hear, hear, me, hear me on this as we think about the disappointment in ourselves that comes because of sin. Real repentance is the only real response for dealing with real disappointment whose source is sin. 
If you're disappointed in yourself because of sin, the only way that you can deal with that is to truly, fully repent. And that means that you change from the inside out, that you're drawn to God, not to, your, to what you want, that you let that go and say, God, change me, change my direction, change the, the, the path that I'm on. Paul experienced that after that encounter with Jesus. His life had a completely different tra trajectory the Apostle John wrote this, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. If you're carrying the burden that comes from sin, if you're, if, if you're disappointed with yourself because of sin, the best advice I can give you today is to really come to grips with that and repent, to say, God, I don't want that. I don't want to live that way. Help me make the choices to pursue a different path where I'm walking with you, where you are my audience and I'm, and I'm with you completely. Forgiveness, forgiveness is more important than living in the land of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Sometimes our disappointment, uh, we look back on sin and we say, ah, oh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. If I woulda done that, if I coulda done this, if I, sh I shoulda done that. Forgiveness is more important than living in the land of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Let me, let me, let me just uh, share a couple of final truths. As we, as, we, as we tackle this whole idea of being disappointed in ourselves, this is so important. God wants to work in your disappointment. If you're disappointed with yourself this morning, God wants to meet you where you are and to deal with that disappointment. Our disappointment causes us to believe that our life is less than, less than it could have been, less than what God wanted, less than whatever. God does his best work in our less than. He does his best work when, we, when he takes us where we are and begins to transform us. It was Peter's disappointment with himself. It was in Peter's disappointment with himself that Jesus came to him and said, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. It was in Peter's crisis that that happened, that disappointment. It was in Paul's disappointment with himself over the path that he had pursued in killing Christians that God speaks to him and says, go plant churches, go on this journey, start churches in all of these cities, communicate with my body what it means to follow me. God does his best work when we let him direct our paths when we let go of ourselves, when we let him determine our expectations, when we let him take our disappointment that we have in ourselves. God is working in your life. He's working in the midst of that disappointment. Um, you know, if, if those things that you're disappointed about in yourself, if, if you had realized those things, if you had gotten that job, if you had looked that way, if you had had that much money, if you had lived in this place, if you had married that person, if you had done all that, would you, would you have even needed God to come in and speak? It's in our brokenness, in our disappointment that God does his best work. Um, you know, two weeks ago, I, I, I talked about um, lowering expectations in people that we have closer relationships with. And afterwards, after we were done with everything, I thought, you know what? There's a word for that. That's grace. We extend grace to people when we lower our expectations for them. When we, low, when, when we um, lower our expectations for ourselves, you know what that's called? Forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves. God, Jesus paid the price on the cross to forgive us. We've got to forgive ourselves as well. Um, last thing I want to share is this. Jesus on the cross bought you new glasses. He purchased hope for you on the, on, on the cross. Disappointment dwells in the past, not in the future. It has to be replaced with hope that's rooted in the truth of who Jesus is. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you for the power of your word and the power of your truth and how it intersects in our lives. 
Um, God, I pray right now for so many this morning, so many of us who carry disappointment from stuff that's happened in the past, disappointment in ourselves, Lord, that, we, that we're not better, that we're not farther along, that, we're, that we haven't accomplished what we hoped we would. And God, I just, I ask that you would come in and you would allow us to experience, to really sense your love for us and your forgiveness and that you'd help us forgive ourselves. God, we need it. We need hope. You're the one who gives us that hope, God. Help us to live that out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing. Good seeing you. We'll see you guys back here next Sunday. Have a great week.